Shut up and sit down. that um, I tend to harp on and I get on a soapbox about it is writer entitle is, is reader entitlement and the impact it has on writers and fandom. <clears throat> now, here's the thing. Earlier in the week, I had to withdraw from Rough Trades challenges because I've got some personal stuff going on. I had death in my family. Um, there are some issues with one of my sister's kids who's so going to have to have surgery. And it's just, it's been a really stressful experience for me, and there's lots of things going on. And, you know, I just, I need to take a break from it, and I don't normally just give up completely. I try to plug ahead to the very end, even if I'm, I know I'm not going to make it, but I just said, fuck it, I'm not going to do it. So within about two hours of me withdrawing from Rough Trade, I got two emails, I swear to God, Thor, Loki, whoever you want me to swear to, um, two emails, both of which asked me, since I wasn't going to be participating in Challenge, when they could expect an update of. And one was for Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, and the other one was for Ties That Bind. Now, here I am on my site, and I've admitted that, and this isn't something I often admit, that I... I'm so stressed out and so fucked up personally that I'm just incapable of writing. And what do these two assholes do? But email and say, hey, since you're not writing on the challenge, when can I expect an update to my favorite fic? Thank you. Not even a thank you. There was no thank you. There was no thank you. And today, I actually got a comment. It started out really great. It's actually on my website. Oh, this was great. I love this. I I hate the Weasleys. This is awesome. It's perfect. There's just one thing I didn't like, and I'm going to quote this. He says, there's one thing I didn't like, which is post as fast as you can. And post as fast as you can is in big capital letters. And then it says, I know that there are personal things to deal with first, but please try to update the story as fast as you can. Yes, because what I do, obviously, is sit over here and write as slowly as possible. And then I don't post it for months just to fuck with you. That's what I do. Here's the thing. I actually happen to be a very productive fanfiction writer. I have written... Upwards of, it is April, and I'm going to let you know that I've written upwards of 200K since January. Most of it is works in progress, so it's not ready for the website. I just passed 10K on the next part of Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond. Yes. So this asshole actually will get an update before anybody else does, because I'm almost finished with this part. Um I'm going to have to split it, I think, and maybe rename it. But anyway, it's all it's, it's already over 10K, and it was just a courtroom thing, and um, I kind of got carried away. But it's really 
annoying for you to inject yourself into a writer's situation and then give them orders, give them instructions. Do this. Don't do this. I actually had to delete a comment on Rough Trade this week that also was some very entitled fucking shit. I emailed the person responsible for this comment and let them know about themselves. How many ways can I tell you you're not allowed to ask questions on fucking Rough Trade before you get it? I don't know. I don't know. I have yet to actually meet that that number. If, if there's some mystical number out there that says, oh, hey, I get it. I'm not supposed to ask questions. That's the 500th time she said that. I magically get it. I don't know. I haven't reached that number yet. It's on the fucking side of the website. You can't miss it. It's right there. Do not ask questions. And the worst part is, is the person who did this has been warned Three motherfucking times not to ask questions on rough trade. I'm just saying. I am just saying do not do this. Do not inject yourself into a writer's work. Don't tell them what you want them to write. Don't tell... And if they don't ask you for criticism, don't assume they want it. Just because you have an opinion, asshole, doesn't mean everybody in fandom wants to fucking read it. I'm going to put that out there for you. You're entitled to your opinion, but don't ever assume that somebody else is interested in hearing it or reading it, or knowing it, or accepting it as truth. Because that's just not how it fucking works. At least that's not how it works in Caroland. I could be wrong, but I doubt it. In other news, I'm going to give you guys a little personal um, true story here. I was in the grocery store this evening, and I had forgotten that I had changed my um, husband's ringtone on my phone to this particular song. And I am in the meat department, and I'm getting meat, and um, I'm surrounded by a whole bunch of women, old women. And um, all of a sudden, Fat Bottom Girls by Queen blasts out of my cell phone. It's my husband. It's my husband calling me. And there's these all these little old ladies looking at me like I am the devil. For fat bottom girls coming out of my fucking cell phone. And I answer it and I'm like, hey. <laughs> and he adds to my grocery list. Guess what he does? And um, I get off the phone. <laughs> And the butcher was like, did you need anything else? I was like, no, because I love that song. I said, my husband does too. (laughs) (sighs) 
But what it boils down to is that earlier in the week, he told me um, that uh, this pair of jeans that I was wearing made my butt look like Kim Kardashian's, which I thought was offensive, but he thought it was a compliment. That just goes to show you how men think. But it doesn't matter if I'm a size 10 or if I'm a size 18. Um, my butt's always going to be big. It's it's huge. It doesn't precede me into the room because it's behind me. But if it wasn't, it it would. It Boom, it's out there. It always will be. And that's just what I have to deal with And so I put that song on my phone Because it amused me And then I forgot Did you ever forget? Because I did I forgot And um, yeah, that happened You should have seen the looks I got from those little old ladies I'm not ashamed though I honestly think my butt's Better than Kim Kardashian's, but um, whatever. I'm not gonna um, be putting it out there like she did. I'm not gonna do that. But um, it's I could I could put it out there, <laughs> and it wouldn't have to be photoshopped either. And I'm not saying her ass was photoshopped. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that my butt is big. My thighs aren't as big though. Um. But anyway, I got I got a big ass. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I should I should rename my blog that on, on Live Journal. I got a big ass. Anyways, um so that's what happened and um I treated the all these little old ladies to a queen song. Um I also uh picked out some songs for my mom. I put uh Shake It Off by Taylor Swift for my mom. And um, I forget what I put on Lady Holders, but it amused me when I did it. I just don't remember what it was. Anyways, one of the biggest reasons why we lose writers in fandom is that we, is that readers don't know how to behave. And the thing is, is that it, it, um, I just don't know how to behave. And then we end up getting this, uh, I don't actually want to control my TV with my cell phone. Thank you. Thank you so much. No, no, stop. Looks like I got spammed all of a sudden. Anyways, lady holder, your custom ringtone on my phone is currently titanium. I don't even know why. Maybe I think you're bulletproof. <laughs> Anyways, it's currently titanium, and um, oh, funny, funny story. I'm in here and I'm um listening to uh, uh, it comes up because Lady Holder said this was my ringtone on her phone, which is currently uh Uptown Funk. So I had Uptown Funk on my computer and I was playing it, and my husband comes into the room and he's like, "Who's that?" And I was like, that's Bruno Mars. How can you fucking not know who Bruno Mars is? And he was like, he looks like Morris Day and Prince's love child. I said, did you just ship Morris Day and Prince? And he said, no, and fuck you, and walked away. There you go. There you go. And he's not wrong. He's not wrong. In Uptown Funk, Bruno Mars does look like the love child of Morris Day and Prince. And he sounds like him, too. Too hot. That's what he is. Um, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> and 
and now you are never getting that shit out of your head. <laughs> it's going to be there. <laughs> You're going to watch Purple Rain and ship them. <laughs> Anyways, um, back to fandom and entitlement and writers. When you make demands on a writer's time, when you intrude on their story, their characterization, their plot, that intrusion is entitlement. You think you're entitled to do this, and you're not. You're absolutely, under no circumstances, entitled to give a writer your opinion. You're entitled to have it. But none of us are required to look at it. And you're not entitled to post it on their space or on their story. And when you do, and you get ignored, don't be surprised. And don't act like they're a snot for ignoring you. Because you know what? Absolutely no writer in fandom is required to respond to your bullshit. That's not how it works. You can say whatever the fuck you want to on your own site, on your live journal, on your Tumblr, in your email. I don't care. But when you're on somebody else's site and you're on somebody else's story, whether it's on AO3, if you're on somebody else's Tumblr, if you're on their Facebook, and you say something they don't like, they don't have to respond. They can just delete it because they're not actually required to answer you. They're not required to meet your demands. And no, they don't owe you an apology for ignoring you. I'm just saying, and I'm not wrong. I am absolutely right about this, and say what you want. But don't expect anybody else on this entire fucking planet to give a shit. That's also true. Twisted Rider says, nor are they required to leave your unsolicited opinion available for others to read. That's right. They can delete your shit. They don't have to leave it up there for posterity. They don't have to take your non-consensual beta seriously, and they don't have to leave it on your on their fucking story if they don't fucking want to, because it's a, most some it's a free world. Fandom's a fucking democracy. They don't have to listen to your bullshit. Now I'm going to talk about something else. If you're going to be an asshole, if you're going to say shit, don't do it anonymously. In fact, if you have something to say that you are unwilling to say under your own account, with your own email, with the name that you are known for in fandom, perhaps you shouldn't fucking say it at all. If you have to post it anonymously, you shouldn't post it at all. 
I don't post anonymously. If I have something to say, I fucking say it on my space because it's my fucking space and I pay for it. Get on my live journal, do whatever the fuck I want to because it's my space, but I don't troll other people. And if I had something to say to somebody, I would do it in my own name because I'm not a fucking coward. So if you're going to go around the Internet and post anonymously, you only have... You're a fucking coward. But that's just that's what it boils down to. And if you're going to get on somebody's story and anonymously complain about what they've done or what they're not doing to meet your expectations, then you're a pussy. Like a smelly one. Ocean. You're an ocean-going cunt. That's right. Straight out of my mother's mouth, right there. An ocean-going cunt. Look it up if you don't know what it means. It's fantastic. The first time my mother said it, I had to Google it. I'm not going to lie. It was great. She said it to my uncle's second ex-wife, maybe third ex-wife. I don't know. He got married a lot. He got married a whole lot. So if you're going to say something to somebody in fandom, if you're going to get on their Tumblr, if you're going to get on their blog or their their AO3 or whatever, and tell them, um, don't be a pussy about it. Put your name on it. And if you can't own it, don't fucking say it. And that needs to go on a t-shirt. Boom. Anyways, um, I think earlier in the week we had decided that we were going to talk about um, the bullshit that I've gotten for Ties That Bind. And we're going to do that a little later on. Um, I just, I'm... I want you to understand that when you're really excited about a story and you're super excited about a reader, that you're allowed to say that. Oh, I love this. This was great. I can't, I mean, this is awesome. This is so creative. Thank you so much for writing this. But what you're not entitled to is to make demands. Update immediately. Why aren't you updating? It's been a week. Other writers can do this. Why aren't you doing this? It is monumentally unfair of you to compare one writer with another. One of the most offensive things that I get told in relation to Ties That Bind is that when someone tells me they preferred my story to to Zance. Do not do that. Because I get so insulted on Zant's behalf, it makes me hate you. Because let's be honest, Ties That Bind is fan fiction of Zant. I wrote fan fiction for Zant's story. That's what it is. That's what it boils down to. That's why I gave her so much credit for it. And when you say that you like my world more than hers, I get so insulted on her behalf that I want to delete you from everything and not give you any access whatsoever because you're so fucking annoying. How dare you? Don't do it. Even if you think it, don't fucking say it. Don't say so-and-so is a better writer than called one more than one person to task over this, being told, oh, well, I like your writing so much better than such and such. Don't do this. Don't do this. It's not, it's not flattering. It's insulting. 
I I get so insulted on behalf of the other writer that nothing you say and nothing that comes out of your mouth ever again is is going to be appropriate as far as I'm concerned. Don't do this. Because number 1, it's embarrassing. It it is really embarrassing when I see somebody doing this comparing me to somebody else and finding that other person lacking. I get really stupid uncomfortable, and it's embarrassing. And embarrassing me is the easiest way to make sure that I unfriend you and delete you and put your email on my spam list and never look at you again because it's terrible. It's terrible. And you never know when the person you're comparing is actually in the group that you're doing it in. Um, there have been several instances in, in Minion Headquarters where people have come into the Minion Headquarters and complained about such and such. Oh, you did this so much better than they did. And that other writer is actually in Minion Headquarters. But they're not using their fandom name, so you don't know they're in there. And then and there you are. You're bitching about them or insulting their work in an effort to flatter me, which, by the way, never, ever, ever works. And here they are in the fucking group. And just thinking about it makes my face get all heated and red, and and it's really super embarrassing. Don't do it. Anytime you compare two people and find the other one lacking, you're being an asshole. And nothing about it is flattering. I want to tell you something else. If you're one of those writers who thinks that flatter that that thinks that's flattering, you're an asshole too. If you get a compliment, and I'm putting that in quotes, like that, and you're flattered, oh, you're such a better writer than Kira, and that makes you feel great, you're a jackass, just straight up jack. Ass, and don't be a jackass. Just don't. Speaking of, <laughs> I have a little, I have a little cousin, and um, she is three years old. And um, I was out to lunch with her mom, and she was with us, and um, she had her mom's cell phone. And um, she got really upset, right? And um, she, uh, she, her mom has an iPhone, and iPhones have this thing called FaceTime where you can um, have, like, video chat back and forth with another iPhone user. And um, so all of a sudden she starts poking on this phone, right? And she puts that phone right in her face, and she's glaring at it, and she says, you be a jackass. And my cousin snatches it away from her. And lo and behold, um, called her father. They're separated. My cousin and her husband are separated. And um, apparently, we, my cousin and I had been having this conversation about the father not paying child support. And we didn't realize that the three-year-old actually understood what we were saying because we were being very um 
evasive about the topic, and but she figured it out because she's smart, and she called her father on FaceTime while he was at work and told him he was a jackass. <laughs> and and I I laughed my ass off. I'm not gonna lie. I laughed until I cried. She's very smart. You be a jackass. Her grammar could use some work, but you know what? That should go on a fucking T-shirt, too. You be a jackass. (laughs) 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 She, (laughs) and of course, I got blamed, but I don't know how I got blamed. I I have very little impact on this kid. But she did spring from the same well. That the rest of us came from. So perhaps it was just her genetic legacy coming into play. You know, mom is often saying, is often is fond of saying that um, I stepped out of the womb a bitch. And it's entirely true. She did step out of the womb a bitch. And so did I. Um, and it's not... Uh, <laughs> It's just the way we're, just the way we are, and um, so yeah, you be a jackass. And um, there really is. I mean, it was just she was very serious. She was very serious, and I think it might be because earlier in the day we had been at Target and she had asked for something, and her mom said no, um, that she couldn't afford it. Um, but what? What it really was is her mom had already bought it for her birthday. It is at home wrapped up, but. Um, so now my little cousin has, um, decided that basically her father is the reason she doesn't get the shit that she wants, and that makes him a jackass. She's three, she'll be four in August, so she's almost four, and, um, she's very smart. Uh, she's already got, um, she can read, um, 30 words, and, um, yeah, Most of them have to do with snacks, like cereal. She can tell the difference between Cheerio and um, Mini Wheat. She knows what they are. And um, she can write her name. But, yes, yeah, she, she, she's super smart. Her mom spends almost all of her time with her, and when you spend a lot of time with the kid and teaching and watching and doing and um, just playing these games, of course, you know, the kid's going to be just, you know, Capable of FaceTiming her father while he's at work and calling him a jackass for not paying child support. <laughs> That's what that boils down to right there. So anyway, sorry, I just went off on a little tangent. I can't I can't help it. I'm kind of rambling because I took a lot. I've had um, about 64 ounces of iced coffee. Um, I bought it around five this afternoon yes it's really good it is really good stuff i can't help myself Uh, anyways about 64 ounces of iced vanilla latte um from starbucks because i got i bought the, the jug in um uh the grocery store we also grilled it out tonight. We had um, T-bones, and I made baked potatoes in the oven, and I, oh, 
I did the best thing to asparagus ever. I put the oven on 450, and I spread my asparagus out over a baking sheet. I put some stuff down. Don't put that down. Don't do that on a pan without putting parchment or um, aluminum foil that has that nonstick on it. You don't want to do that to a regular pan. So what I did was I spread my asparagus out on the pan, and I sprayed it with a little olive oil, and then I... Um, I threw Italian seasoning over it, and I baked it for 10 minutes, and it was fucking awesome. Awesome. I totally recommend you do that to your asparagus next time. (coughs) (coughs) Normally, I steam my asparagus, but I was just like, fuck it, I'll try something new. So I did, and it was great. Recommend, recommend, recommend. 450 for 10 minutes. Make sure your oven's preheated, though. And do the olive oil all over it. I used to spray olive oil, and I sprayed it down real good. And then I I threw um, Mrs. Dash uh, Italian seasoning over it because so there's no sodium in Mrs. Dash, and I prefer that. And um, I sprayed it all over it, and I cooked it for 10 minutes, and it was fucking amazing. I totally recommend you do that to your asparagus. It's great. Anyway, <clears throat> so now that I've discussed all that, I, uh, Senna, Senna, my Senna, what is your area code? Because um, are you on the are you on the phone waiting? Because I don't know if you are or not. One of the things that I get a lot of flack for as a writer is ties that bind. I've had my um, um, I've I've had my <laughs> intelligence questioned. I've had my mental stability questioned. I have been told. Uh, that I deserve to be beaten to death for writing Ties That Bind. Um, I've been told that it was um, that I wrote abusive rape fic and I should warn for it. I should put a big giant warning across the top of every page that it's a big giant abusive rape fic. Um, I uh, got told off for not warning appropriately for political themes. I had no idea you were supposed to warn for that, and there really are very few political themes in Ties That Bind. Um, I got... uh, One of the first comments I ever got, I had posted the first part of Ties That Bind, and um, and this is the last time that I um, notified... I used to belong to this... uh, I used to belong to this live journal group for McKay Shepard, and I would post my updates to that group and say, hey, I've updated my story, and you can go read it here, and I'll give a link. And I would give a little um, summary of, of what I'd written, and it was really cool and fine. And um, I did it and um, for this story, and about five minutes after I posted to McKay Shepard, I got a private message on live journal, um, land blasting me for post or notifying the group that I had written this terribly abusive BDSM fic and how dare I it wasn't even a moderator for the group so I'm not blaming them it was just somebody in the group and um I never posted another update to that group again because I was so shocked by the ugliness but the first comment I got on my website about Ties that bind went like this, <clears throat> and I quote, quote, well, I'm not reading this shit, unquote. Thank you. 
whoever did that. I've actually forgotten who did it. Um, the best part about that is that's actually a person who is a regular commenter on my site, or they used to be. Um, they kind of avoided me when I was writing ties that bind, but they came back for Sentinels of Atlantis. Um, yeah, so I'm not reading this shit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You didn't have to tell me. I didn't actually care. I don't know if you're listening to this, but if you are, I didn't actually give a shit whether or not you were going to read it. You could have kept that information to yourself. <clears throat> Just saying. Um, I was. Uh, I had a person email me and tell me they hoped I got raped for writing Ties That Bind because I deserved it and brought that shit on myself. And that um, another poster said that um, that my husband obviously isn't beating me the way he should, otherwise I wouldn't glamorize um, BDSM. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. So <laughs> when people come up and ask me, do you mind if and see the same thing as Zanth warned me it would be that bad and I didn't um I didn't I believed her when she said that it was that bad for her that she got a lot of abuse and a lot of grief from fandom about writing um um the general and Doctor Shepherd and, and coming home. I I totally believed her when she said it. I just thought maybe fandom had gotten that out of their system and I wouldn't have to worry about it as much. I was wrong. You ever be wrong? I was. I was wrong. And it... If I wasn't the person I am, I want you to know that by the 30th or 40th email I got in the first month that I posted Ties That Bind, I would have deleted my entire site and you never would have heard from me again. Now, what you need to keep in mind, Twisted Writer, is that 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 was the first. Zanth pioneered um, the BDSM world concept in fandom, and she wrote The General and Dr. Shepard first, and then Coming Home as a prequel. And yes, she did have other BDSM works before that, but nothing quite like what she did with the General and Dr. Shepard. And the General and Dr. Shepard, and especially coming home, is um, it's harsh. It's it's a harsh world, and it's it's a black and white world, and you do this or you don't do that, and um, the punishment scenes are. When I first read it, I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> look what you did. And it was great. I was super excited. But not everybody was. And it wasn't like, I mean, BDSM wasn't new in fandom, but what she did with the BDSM world and everybody had dynamic or they were non-dynamic and considered practically asexual, um, it was more than a lot of people could handle. They just weren't prepared for it, and that's one reason. And she got so much grief that that's the reason she no longer writes Stargate. And she told me 
seeking to be prepared. And I thought I was. And while it didn't hurt me, it made me mad. And I think that's why Tyson Bind got so graphic. Because the more crap I got, I never intended to put blood play in Ties That Bind. I was never going to go there because personally I rarely go there and I wasn't going to go there in my in, in my fiction either. And then I got this really terrible email in the midst of me writing A Lovely Agony and boom, next thing I know, John's jacking off with a bloody hand. And I will not apologize. So the worse they got, the more graphic ties that bind became. And I was like, I'm not going to, no, you know, fuck you. (laughs) This is what's going to happen. And it's just because I really look forward to the first email I got that I get when I start writing the Criminal Minds AU. The first time Aaron has to spank Spencer for misbehaving because that's definitely going to happen, happen. I'm looking forward to the hate mail. It's going to be epic. I might put up a page on my site just to display it. I'm just saying, I might. I don't know. It could be a public information page. I don't know. Um <clears throat> I know you're on the air. Damn it. I was just about to shove part of a potato in my mouth. <laughs> you go right ahead. Too late now. <laughs> I already did. So, um, what's the most grief you got about writing a BDSM world? Honestly, I actually haven't gotten a lot of grief about that particular aspect and I don't know if it's just because the only place that I have it posted is on archives and I made it very clear in the author notes that it was based on your world mm-hmm. I mean it's it it says in clear right there you know it's got links back to your site or it should I don't know if they're messed up or not because some of the formatting stuff got messed up the last time they did an update Julie actually had to fix it for me earlier in the week because I was freaking out about it. I was like, I can't make it work. Why is it fucked up? <laughs> so. But, uh, so what yeah, did you no, about? Um, some of it is, like, mostly just people telling me what they think the, sh- the story should have been like or how it should have been based on, you know, ties that bind itself. And I think that's the most insulting part because if you actually read my author note, it says in there that, you know, there were literally like five or six sessions where we were, you know, you, me, and mom were all in uh, minion chat and literally did nothing but work on the story for like two to three hours or more. I think the only other person that was ever in the room for those was uh, Ninja. So, I mean, for for somebody to tell me that, you know, they think that what I did was not how it should have been is just really insulting because it's like, um, I, I did actually consult the author for the universe that I'm playing in. I got permission to write this. It is linked back on your site. You did two of the betas for it. 
no, I'm a I fucking mean, beta I, on that story, you guys. I promise. <laughs> Rick, Rick, you were the first beta and you were the last beta before I ever posted it. And that's the thing well, that's, that's the most thing. insulting to me. Uh, that's the thing that um, if somebody is going to write an attachment to ties that bind, um, in that that I can say yes, these, these characters are in the ties that bind world that I created. It's not just a you of my work, but it's actually physically connected or you know connected, intertwined with my work. I have to be a beta. So that's my only requirement, and um, that way I can make sure that continuity continues and that you're using the same rules for the houses that I use and you're not um, – it just it just has to link up. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and see, so and that was – That's a continuity. And that was one of the biggest helps that I had when I was going through the story because there were certain jokes and things that I made in the story originally. I actually still have all three of the original – uh, pieces before and after you read through them. And there there were times where I was going through and looking at the comments that you'd left on the side for the track changes and stuff, and there were jokes and things that I made that actually detracted from the universe that the story was placed in. And I didn't realize it when I was writing it, but when I went through and read your comments and your questions, you know, it was like, okay, well, that actually makes a lot more sense, and I understand why it shouldn't be that way. It wasn't like you rewrote the story for me. It was you were giving me guidelines and had me take the story in the direction that I wanted it to go originally anyway. um, Let me me see if I can find the exact example, because I don't know if I've got the comment in particular on that part, but there, there was... There was actually one instance where uh, Danny made a joke about clowns. I know, no surprise, Danny made a joke about clowns. But it, it, honestly, um, the joke is actually still in there, but not quite in the same way that it was originally, be, because I did have him make a joke about how clowns are creepy. But in the original um, iteration of the story, I wrote, you know, that he thought that clowns were pedophiles. That's not something that they would joke about in the Ties the Bond universe. And no, so I did no, have to go through and fix that. No, pedophilia would, would be no joke in, in ties that bond. Exactly. There are a couple of places that um that when you um that yeah, okay, that would be funny, but then it wouldn't be funny here because in um ties that bond pedophilia is a capital offense. Yeah. And that was and that was something that I had to take into consideration when I was working on the story because there were certain things that in any other context, yeah, they would have been funny, but it wasn't something that could actually happen in the universe just because of the way that the you know the laws and the reality of that universe were written. I mean, it's it's like when you go through and you change a certain historical event that you know is something that everyone in the world is taught. Like for instance, um, in Sleepy Hollow, there's actually one episode where they go through, and if I'm spoiling this for anybody, I'm sorry, but it is actually in the, whatever the current season that they're on is in, so I'm just going to warn you up front that it might be a spoiler. Um, they do actually go back into the uh, Revolutionary War period, and they change some of the um, historical events that happened, and when they do that, it does actually ripple, and it changes uh, what current day society is like, and so the writers had to go back through and figure out how that would change our universe, and then they had to go through and fix that when they were finishing up that particular storyline. And they had to do it in such a way that it would make sense to anybody that was watching the show. 
And right. you have to do that when you're doing, you know, when when you change the basic rules of how a society works, you have to take into consideration all of the tiny little effects that that's going to have. Like, uh, for instance, in Hawaii Five-0, it's pretty canon as far as fandom is concerned to go ahead and make Danny hate his ex-wife, which, um, considering some of the canon events, I can understand that, but I couldn't do that in Ties That Bind because, um, typically speaking, custody is awarded to submissive parents. And even though Danny is a man, he is still technically Grace's well, not technically, he is Grace's submissive parent. So her being able to take Grace to Hawaii without Danny's permission is not something that could have happened. That that Well mostly it's because he's happened. a courtesan. Yeah. And she couldn't disrespect him and she when she took her collar back, she had to do it in a certain very formal way because he is a fucking courtesan. And you don't do that with them. You don't treat them that way, which is why Carter is going to end up suffering so much for what she did to McKay. And and I'm I honestly feel that she should. I mean, I, if there's if there's one character in Ties the Bind aside from Jordan that everyone can say that they hate, it's most definitely Samantha Carter and the way that she treated Rodney because it was abusive in more than just a physical sense. So, oh, um, of course, absolutely, and and that was the point. And part of me wishes I'd made it, I'd made her an OC. But I think that using a canon character in that particular instance gave it so much impact. Yeah, um, because I, there's I honestly that, so much. There there are so many events in canon that make it real. Uh, well, and yeah, I mean, just just between the way that she treated McKay when he was originally in the show before they actually made. Atlantis, the way that she reacted, right. you know, to McKay's uh, decisions as an engineer. I mean, he was telling everyone their facts, not taking into consideration, you know, Jack and everything else about it, because she did have that emotional attachment, but she was very verbally and intellectually abusive to Rodney in those episodes, and that just leads credence to the way that she acted in Ties the Bind, and I don't think that don't get me wrong, your OCs are some of the best OCs that I've ever seen written, which is clearly displayed by everybody being confused that Maddie was an OC and freaking out and thinking <laughs> that, you know, Lauren was cheating on Maddie. Uh, that, that's something that is always going to tickle me because I, I absolutely, Maddie is oh, probably God, my, like one of my emails. favorite OCs. Yeah. I, and I remember the day that you got them because I'm pretty sure we were all in chat talking about stuff. <laughs> And um, it was so the one she was serious. She says, "Oh my God, you broke up Matt and Evan. I'm not reading it. Tell me what happened." She wanted me to spoil the story for her in advance because I had written Lauren slash OMC, and I was like, "I didn't break Maddie." Oh wait, and then I I had to tell her that Matt Shepard wasn't a, wasn't a canon character, and she admitted to me that she'd never actually watched the show. Yeah. And that she didn't well, realize she, that Jensen Ackles wasn't a part of the cast. <laughs> well, and con- considering some of the other shows that he had been in when he was younger, I I could see them thinking that he was in Stargate Atlantis just because um, he was in Dark Angel and um, he's in Supernatural. You know, so being in a sci-fi universe wouldn't be something that's far-fetched for him. But <laughs> no. yeah, it just it it tickled it tickled me so much to just see that. Um, but I mean that that just kind of lends to how how well you do write your OCs, and that I I 
love them. They're very real people. But I do feel like having Rodney have been married and collared by Samantha Carter did lend that much more into making the story. This this is the part where I have to, I have to explain one of my views on fandom. Um, sometimes when you're reading a story in fandom, you get so invested in the story that it honestly becomes its own version of canon for you. And so mm-hmm. it it sort of becomes a separate entity from the original works that the story is placed in. And having Samantha Carter be the person that she is in Ties That Bind just added to that for uh, the Ties That Bind universe. And clearly, I love the story or I wouldn't have, you know, raging bunny for it. <laughs> and I, I do call what, it a giant raging bunny. Down it is a giant raging bunny. I totally agree. Um, the thing is, is that Sam Carter is like that in canon. She's arrogant. Yeah. She doesn't think anybody can teach her anything. Um, she's uh, very oriented towards science and very um, her interpersonal relationships are poorly developed, poorly maintained, and she's killed inadvertently a lot of men. I was really yeah. surprised that Pete made it through. I, I didn't know. I didn't expect that. I was pretty sure Pete was going to die. <clears throat> so much so that when I wrote him in Ties at Bond, I did kill him off. <laughs> <laughs> it's one line, but but Pete did die in, in Ties at Bond. She, because she is the Black Widow. I mean, she's terrible. I mean, no, she really is, not doing though. it on purpose. And, but, you know, know. There's, there's, she's very um, detached emotionally yeah. from situations. And I remember there's one particular episode, it's the Black Hole episode, I got really upset with her character because here are these guys, they're on camera, they're dying. They're going to be dying for hundreds of years, and they know it. And she's fascinated. And Jack's like, what the fuck are you fascinated about? These, They're dying. And she thinks what it's, I mean, she's... wrong with she, you? She's enraptured by this by this yeah. this happening that she's totally disconnected the humanity this event and has to be reminded that those those are people in that fucking video and they're dying. See, and it's things like that that sort of imply that she might have some sociopathic tendencies. But she is rather callous and she does make decisions based on science before people. And the thing is, is that when they first brought McKay in, he did the exact same thing. They they wrote him the exact same way. It was like they yeah. wanted this to happen, but they didn't want to attribute the actions to Carter. So they created another science um, scientist and gave him the same basic flaw that Carter has. And let him listen on that episode, and then um, punished him. And See, and, him and Mom brings up a good point. Rodney did learn from it. I don't know that Carter did. I don't know I don't that Carter learned. Um. 
there is the last episode of of Stargate when they're on that ship and they're going through the time loop and they're and they're stuck and the world is going and the universe is moving around them and um what struck me funny is that she made no effort to have an emotional connection with the only other single man that was available on the ship. Now, even if he wasn't particularly attractive, and let's be honest, Duke was attractive. Um, okay, <laughs> you see Vala and Daniel coming together and creating, a, you know, comfort for each other, and she lets Cameron kind of go crazy. She demonstrated no responsibility to, to him to offer him even, there doesn't seem to even be friendship being offered, and I'm not saying she had to have sex with him, although honestly, wouldn't you want to get off? Because I would have, and he's hot. I don't know what the problem is. I mean, all they had was each other and the old dude. That's all they had. And Tilk, Tilk wasn't getting any either. I'm just saying, there was, <laughs> she detached from the rest of her team. And instead of emotionally investing them in them and creating, you know, some kind of situation where they could have comfort, she learned to play the cello <laughs> instead. Well, at least you know she's good with her hands, I guess. <laughs> Not that that I'm really does Cam any good, I mean, but, you know. Maybe Tilk and Cameron hooked up. I don't know. <laughs> but But why didn't she make any effort to connect with them. It just it just wasn't there. And the worst part about that, the very worst part about that, is that while Sam and Daniel and Vala and Cameron and what's his name? Landry all forgot what happened on that ship. Tilk didn't. He brought all those memories back. Of living, of living that entire time. Imagine how that tainted his view of of Carter. I'm just. <clears throat> Sam. <clears throat> <laughs> oh, I can totally ship Sam and Tilk. I have to rewrite her a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit, just a little bit. Like that whole part where she trusted the fucking replicator version of herself? Come on. Was there ever a single instance where they could trust a fucking replicator? And she's going to trust one that has her face? Oh, God, stab me in the forehead. What is wrong? Can we stab her in the forehead? Burns. The stupid burns, okay? <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, I'll have to rewrite some of that shit just to swallow it. Well, you know, there are moments in Stargate where you're like, what the fuck did you, what? And they never get resolved. It happens in other fandoms, too. You can't deny that. I mean, it happens in NCIS. The, the big one would be Dead Air. Um, mm. And you're like, mm. what? What? Mm. And what? Nothing? What? Mm. 
Mm. Mm. <laughs> oh, I don't want to talk about it. And you're thinking, and you're thinking off about it. And you're thinking to yourself, is are these motherfuckers how, you know, surreal? Thing. You can you can say that it's bad writing, but more than that, because here are a bunch of intelligent people making a show. Here, here's Michael Weatherly and um, oh my God, I forgot his fucking name. The guy that plays Mark Harmon. Mark Harmon. Um, they're all in this situation together. They're all reading the script, and not a single one of them said, "Hey, um, actually, this is fucked up." So you either need to rewrite this, make it really look like it's a joke, make them admit that it's a joke, or there need to be ramifications for this fucked up ass behavior. It's not so something it's not that there wouldn't just, have been ramifications in in real life. So, and Mark Harmon is a producer for for NCIS, so it's not actually just the writer's fault. Everybody involved in the making of that episode fucked up in a major way. Yeah. Everybody, the actors, the director, the producers, everybody involved in that scene, not a single one of them, what? Is this a good idea? Hey, what if the chick playing Ziva? Hey, you know what? Actually, I'd prefer not to have my character look like an asshole who'd let her partner die in the street. Cody Pablo, I think, is her name. Yeah. And there are moments like that in Stargate where you're like, you're like, really? That, that That's what you're going to go with? That's what you said? Really? Well, and there's moments like that in um, Harry Potter. There's moments like that in Hawaii Five-O. I mean, I, you can literally list at least four to five instances from any of the major fandoms that are out there. So it, you have ridiculous. a character who is honest and he's, he's um, dedicated to justice and he's just a good man, and that's how you portray, portray him throughout the entire all, all these episodes. He flew all the way to Hawaii to spend two hours a week with his kid. I mean, that's what it boils down to, right? Oh, and you're, you're going to bring that. He got that a job. God damn he it. did this. He did that. And then he fucking went to bed with his married ex-wife. <sighs> I rage quit the fandom. I rage quit the fucking fandom when that episode happened. I got so mad. How can you draw this character who is honest and forthright and honorable and then have him fucking another man's wife? See, and that's, Even that's if another she is thing his that started upsetting me. It, you'll notice, like, it, also, well, I don't, I don't know. I still watch the show. Also, okay. her husband is an idiot. Mm-hmm. Apparently, because he knew he knew she wasn't actually convinced of who the baby belonged to until she figured out when she was due. He didn't say a fucking word. He doesn't even look like he's mad at Danny. Really? No. That ain't how that shit works, yo. No. <laughs> it's not. There wasn't even a punch thrown. What? See, and that's gonna that's sexist, another thing. I'm gonna say it. When one man intrudes on another man's 
supply of pussy, violence is often the result. 99% of the time, someone's getting punched in the face. Yeah. Cop or not. What? Yeah. We're talking about Hawaii Five-0, Jilly, and when Danny fucked his ex-wife, who was married See, to somebody and that's else. the thing. That particular episode, it was like it opened the floodgates for the writers to make certain little allusions to Danny not being as upstanding as they originally wrote him to be. Like the thing about um, the rent for that one apartment, um, because he decided that he was going to rent it, um, but he wanted it at a discounted rate because there had been a murder there. I mean, just random little right. shit like that throughout the rest of the story. It, it was something that actually really irritated me. I haven't actually watched the last two or three seasons now, I think, just because it's been... There's no point. Like, there isn't. I don't give a shit. It's not going to affect the way that I write Tsunami Bomb, because fuck them. Fuck canon. I do what I want. It was it was so dishonorable. And it was I... Awful. It's not sexy. It really isn't. I don't. Th- I don't find cheating sexy at all. It's. It, it's so unattractive. Oh god. It's just terrible. It's disgusting, and it takes, I don't it takes watch away from the character that, that they started him to be. Right, and turned him into something else. It's not fun. Like, that's not the char- That's not the character that uh, you know I fell in love with and decided that I wanted to write. You know that's. That, that totally just ruined the show for me. I mean, I tried to watch it after that, but it was like every time that they would take a little dig at him with stuff like that, it would just it would make me angry, and I couldn't I couldn't end up watching the rest of the. I I think I what stopped both- watching at about season probably about halfway through season three. I don't know what season Max got introduced in, and Lori I think was her name the the blonde chick. She didn't last long. Yeah. Um. Here's the thing. I got over Scott's hairdo, which was difficult for me because I hate his hair. Uh, but I couldn't get over uh, Danny's cheating. Yeah, no. I do hate his hair, but <laughs> I I could have an easier time glossing over that than I do. The right. Yeah. The integrity um, issues. Other other stupid things in in shows and how it impacts fandom, uh, exploding tumors. Oh my God, no, that never happened. I, I, nope. Really? He's not Here's a the thing about exploding tumors: they killed off a character that was a fan favorite to insert Doctor Barbie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not getting. I'm. I'm not getting on my little soapbox about that because that'll take. I will. Forever. Okay. Here's what they do. <laughs> they take an interesting, well loved character, and they kill him in a rage inducing, stupid ass way. Then they insert a two dimensional, underdeveloped piece of eye candy. That she's right. Lady Holder says they had a heart on her, heart on for her, and that's right. She's just pure nerd erection right there. And insert her. The only time I ever hated Firefly. 
And then, they demonstrate an astounding amount of chemistry between Ronan and Keller. And then, because of their nerd fantasies, they flip it around and make it, you know, I love David Hewlett, I do. I love him, he's my favorite character on Stargate, but... No woman Jennifer Keller's age is going to pick him over Jason Momoa. <laughs> I'm just sorry. They're not going to do it. I, no. <laughs> not, that's just not how that works. 20-something-year-old girls are, um, they're not going to pick a man in his 40s. They're just not. not. unless he looks like Jason Momoa. Exactly. <laughs> If Ronan had been in his 40s, maybe. I don't know. But she would have picked someone. You can't help but be excited by something like that. Oh, look, you know, he's the last survivor of his of, of his, of his, people, and he's, oh, he needs my help. I will ensure the con- continuation of your race. Dun-dun. He needs to be comforted. <laughs> Let me do my civic duty. <laughs> All I will say is that even though it wasn't said and it wasn't demonstrated, Ronan must have gotten so much ass. Oh, yes, he did. He had Here's to. My com- you need to be comforted. Let me comfort you, you big alien barbarian. <laughs> I just don't buy it. I don't. But they made Keller and McKay to satisfy some nerd fantasy they had. And it didn't work. They don't have any chemistry. Even the actors were like, no, no. I mean, they obviously like and respect each other a great deal, but they were like, no, that, that, what? Why are are you guys making us do this? And Jason was like, wait, um, why, if I, if, if I'm going to be in a love triangle, can it be with Shepard and Taylor? <laughs> that actually made fucking sense, right? <laughs> because well, even, I mean, like, honestly, John, Rodney, and Ronan were all kind of a little bit in love with Taylor. And it's not like a big romantic love, but just a, a devotional, she's a badass and she's our girl and we got to take care of her, <clears throat> love. And any one of them could have been shifted slightly until it became more sexual and more romantic than it was. So for them to insert Dr. Barbie, Mm -hmm. what? No. (laughs) For them to insert what Dr. Barbie into this and make her the center of a of, of a love triangle between Ronan and Rodney just made absolutely no sense. The thing is, is that a woman who well, love triangles happen is because people are very similar. They're they got the same interests and they're they're difficult to choose from. And you have a choice and you have to. It's really difficult. It's conflicted. But in no situation could you compare Ronan and Rodney and consider them the same type of man. A woman who would be attracted to Rodney wouldn't be attracted to Ronan, and vice versa. It's like they were saying that. She just wanted a man, and it didn't matter, and she picked the one that had the most money. Yeah. Which is ugly. But then women in science fiction are often written that way. 
sex objects. Um, the betrayer. Um, well, the whore, the betrayer, the martyr. The bad guy. So, it the betrayer. In Stargate, Elizabeth is the martyr. Nope. Keller is... That's what? I don't want to say it. The Virgin. Yeah, the Virgin. I, yeah, I'll go with that, Jilly. Yeah. Um, Keller's the Virgin. Um, Taylor is um, the exotic alien princess. Literally. Literally, she's the exotic alien princess. It's true. Vala is the whore. That was a badass unicorn. Fuck her. Them for trying to get that well, negative no, connotation. No, Aaron was a badass, and they turned Vala into a whore. That's what she was. That's the the archetype that she represented in Stargate. She flirts. She has indiscriminate sex. She goes out to an alien civilization and then gets knocked up through the Stargate, has Jesus, and marries some dude to cover it up because she uses that dude to save her own life. And that and that's how she's written. Now, that's not how I would write her. I would write her as a badass survivor. But what I would really write her at, if I wrote Vala for real, I would write her as um, uh, a version of Erin who <laughs> lost her memory and got thrown through a wormhole. <laughs> so here's our peacekeeper ass in the Stargate universe, kicking ass and taking names. <laughs> Looking for her Crichton, and she finds him on Earth. That's how I'd write it. That's what I would write. And no, that's not a plot. Maybe it is. Maybe that's a little bitty don't, plot. Don't buddy. lie. A, a little one. Don't lie. A little one. A little one. <laughs> My ass. Okay, it's I've a big heard giant this plot, plot buddy before. <laughs> I have heard this plot buddy before. Don't you try and tell me. I know better. <laughs> oh, wouldn't it be great if they were separated and thrown through wormholes and SG-1 found Cameron on a planet, and they bring him home because he says he's from no. Earth, but he doesn't remember anything. And then Spiders. Vala comes through, Spiders. and she right, and she's looking for um, her man, and she finds him, but he doesn't remember her. And her biggest question is, is where the fuck is our baby? I, mm, I just had a moment. Where? No, no, <laughs> I know, right? Like, no, <laughs> because you had him. Because John had him when he, when he went through the wormhole. So he had Dargo, and now they're all three been separated, and she finds him, and they have to find their baby. That would be Harry a fucking Potter. awesome story. Is there somebody out here who could write that? He totally could be Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fantastic. It would be great. It would be awesome. <laughs> See, this is just like that bunny that I got hit with the other day. I'm still not okay with it. I hate you guys. <laughs> I hate you guys a lot. See the beauty. Oh my oh, God, Styles. Jilly's brilliant. Oh, Styles, Jilly, Jilly, that's brilliant. Jilly that's brilliant. perfect. <laughs> that is awesome. Yes, absolutely. So, that's definitely how I would end up writing a, a Teen Wolf oh, AU. The Styles, oh. the Styles is actually an alien baby that um that 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 the sheriff found in the woods and brought home and um. 
used his connections as a cop to create a birth certificate as his son and his wife agreed, and then his wife died, and only he knows. And then John and Aaron are basically reunited, and they can't find their kid. But lo and behold, he's been thrown back in time. So he got thrown back in time and grew up. So by the time Vala finds Cameron and Aaron and John are reconnected because they, you know, whatever, um, Styles is almost an adult, and that that's their baby. That that's Dargo. <clears throat> Werewolves are not actually a genetic mutation; they're aliens. Well, I actually have a story <coughs> where werewolves are um, basically aliens that they came with the gold. I have a story that? that I never finished because it was an Alpha Omega and I got freaked out about the consent issues and didn't oh, finish it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that I could take of... out the Alpha Omega elements. I could. You could. And rework you that. Because I had a lot of mythology and world building I put into that. And then uh, it was... Uh, Honestly, I it, yes. it it would be really easy to take out that particular aspect of it though. But yeah, no, because I, I, totally I remember all the history. I like the idea of Styles because that would make Styles half peacekeeper. That would actually make sense too. It would also explain why he's a spark and what a spark is. Right. That sparks are actually um, peacekeepers. Team Space Wolf. <laughs> I think I think we've I think we've accepted my wife. She may I think it me. could be. It could it could be it could be very, very, very bad. Um Not and maybe that's how they find him. Sorry. Maybe that's how they find him because of his spark. Yes. That would make sense. And also we could gloss over the whole Nazgul thing, whatever. The thing with the tree. No more of that. We'll just gloss over that. Never happened. Just saying. Anyway, that could, you know, here's the thing that happens when you get two riders together. <laughs> and this yeah, is that, basically Mom. how every conversation I have with Lady Holder that isn't in a grocery store happens. It's true. And this sometimes is exactly how every conversation store, we had I about cannot, the Bomber it. I can't even tell you how many times I've said something terrible in the middle of the grocery store and get the... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, there was... (laughs) There was that whole incident when I was plotting um, that werewolf alpha omega story, and... um, I said, and um, she was taking notes, I think, or maybe I was, I don't know. Anyway, I was in the grocery store, and I'm going down the road, the the aisle, and um, obviously she was taking notes since I had a buggy I was pushing, cart, grocery cart, trolley, wherever you are, however you are. Um, I was pushing a thing with wheels that had my groceries in it. Um, And um, I said, and then butt sex. (laughs) So what you're saying right is in the middle my of the grocery was... store. <laughs> <clears throat> and the looks I got for that. Eh, fuck them. Well, not literally, mind you. 
No, no, not literally. They don't deserve that. I, writing in a fandom where you've never watched the canon, I wrote The Awakening before I ever watched a single episode of The Sentinel. I would like to point out that I've seen exactly two episodes of Stargate. One of them was in Atlantis. Yes, it was the shrine. No one is forgiven for that. I think that um, if you don't, if, if you watch any single episode of Stargate Atlantis, it has to be the shrine because it that was, was a tour de force trouble. performance. And David knocked that shit out of the. I mean, that was a, he did that like a boss. I mean, he owned that. It was amazing. Oh, it was great. It was soul destroying, is what it was. But yes, he was very impressive with his abilities. But yeah, so I watched that, and I've seen like one episode of Stargate Atlantis, and I have a story that I wrote in it. But I used characters that you you can't really call me anything on it because, well, one of them was Lorne, and Lorne's not in canon very much. So, <laughs> No, yeah. you can get away with a lot. I like to cut off the shrine about four minutes before it ends. No, as a result, I've only watched that scene where he tells Keller he loves her once. That's just like I read the epilogue for book seven, Harry Potter, once. There's no epilogue. And I will never read it again because I cut it out of my copy and burned it. There is no epilogue. And I fixed my niece's book recently because she brought it to me and she said, mine ends badly. Can you fix it? My sister was like, what? what, what?" I can't agree (laughs) with Scott being pretty because his jaw is weird and it irritates the fuck out of me. I can't unsee it. I, um, did, I watched 30 minutes of the first episode of Teen Wolf and turned it off because I hated Scott. It, uh, I like Styles. I like if he's not on the show, I like don't pay attention. And I haven't seen anything outside of season one because Scott's a douchebag. In the story, Scott is douchebag. Styles is awesome. Derek is repressed. Here's what the they end. should have done. <laughs> they should have ended Teen Wolf. Rebranded it, called it Wolfpack, and made um, Styles the lead. Yeah. Just saying. And they really, really should have stopped trying to force Derek and Styles to date other people because they were meant for each other. Bastards. <laughs> I don't. What I don't like about that is, yes, fine, write them, um, write them heterosexual if you want to. I don't care. But don't, but don't promote the fandom. It. Don't act like it could happen. Don't, what do they call it? Queer baiting? Uh, yeah, I think is that's that what, what it's, it's called? called. It's queer baiting, I think. Don't do it. It's uh, ugly. It's uncalled for. The fandom didn't need it. They didn't need your encouragement. We never have. You don't yeah, need no, it is the called, queer it bait is called because we're going to do 
what we want to your fucking characters anyway. It's true. We still do. I can't tell you the number of stories I've read where Scott dies. Most of them are very satisfying. I know, right? Because, well, Scott dies. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, I plotted um, season two of, I replotted season two of Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond. And it's going to um, uh, get a little dark. And um, I plotted Ron Weasley's death. Yay! I'm so excited. Wait, wait. Let me me rephrase that. I plotted Ron Weasley's vicious murder. (laughs) I'm married to Jackass. Didn't we all? Tell him. If if you hear any blood curling screams in the background, I was with Hart the entire time. You tell him to. That you're on the fucking internet radio, and he needs to mind his manners. Oh, that that would just encourage him. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I know, but yes, I, something I have just plotted, don't do. <laughs> I have plotted Ron's vicious murder, um, and I, I plotted it separately from from the actual series, so it may not <laughs> end up in Harry Potter in the um, Soulmate Bond. It might end up in. Uh, the Pendragon Legacy, but either way, I plotted the vicious murder of of Ron Weasley, and it was very satisfying. It, see, and it I also have is. a plot bunny where where Hermione kills Ron, and Harry covers it up. <laughs> yes, I need this in my life. It's important. <laughs> and he memory charms <laughs> her, so she doesn't remember actually killing him. Nah, damn it. No, that's not fair. I would want to savor that. Well, it's, shit. Be, it's to protect her so she doesn't end up in um, well, prison. Yeah, true. It's they part of covering it up for so something she, she doesn't gets, remember. Right, and so she gets investigated, and of course, you know, and um, but Harry uh, staged the entire thing to look like somebody, a, a, a stranger, did it to, um, to protect her. And, um, yeah, I was really amusing myself when I pointed that out. Uh, and then, you know, I've killed Ron like 15 times on paper. that I've never actually written it into a story. Um, he is definitely going to die in the unsequel plot. I mean, there's just no way he's not. I love Zale. It's going to be terrible. <sighs> I did something for you, Senna, this week. When I couldn't write on my um, rough trade, I wrote on Harry Potter instead on my soulmate bond. And... Um, it's the Yay. trial of Percy Weasley, and I I put your favorite character in it. Oh yay! I'm so excited. So, yeah. So so Zale oh, is um is is entering Harry Potter and the Soulmate <laughs> Bond, and he's actually the chief prosecutor for the DMLE, for the, for the Department of Magical <laughs> Law Enforcement. So he's actually the one putting Percy on trial, and um. <laughs> Oh, you guys looking have no fucking idea awesome. how tickled I am about this right now. I'm so excited. <laughs> you just make seriously, my heart skip a beat. <laughs> so like, he's all up in the, in the in the courtroom <laughs> owning that shit like a boss. I have to say, um, and uh, yeah, so. <laughs> And Zale, for those of you who have not read the unsequel plot because it's not available online, was my OC that I created, and I cast Tom Hiddleston in the role. And um, he appears in 
uh, Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond. Now, he will in the next coming episode. He's in the Unspeakable Plot, and he's in Phoenix. He's actually a vassal for um, for Harry in Phoenix. And, and um, he is just I'm a motherfucking about... black bread. Yeah. Really? And there's going to be, you know, I have some some angsty stuff coming up for, um, for his character because uh, uh, he's he's in love with somebody. And um, and that yeah, and uh, there's there's going to be some changes in in Harry's life as a result of of his oh, introduction oh, into society. Oh. And um, <clears throat> yeah, and uh, it's going to be oh, you know because the thing is is that relationships change and people move on and people do this and people do that and I kind of want to explore that in a way that's not like. Um, Depressing. Ugly. Right. No. It's 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 not gonna it's it's gonna be a little but then also it's gonna be very rewarding. So I'm I'm looking forward to it, you know, ex- exploring an adult relationship that's um it's it's outside of Harry and Hermione, it's about Zale and his um movement and his how he becomes part of Harry's life. Um, and, and 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 how that's going to work, and I'm really super excited about it. As I actually planned it well in advance, and you're if if you really pay attention to the scenes where Sirius talks to Harry about his relationship and um, and how that works, and and you know the sacrifices that Sirius has made, and the way he's kind of stagnated personally. Um, You'll see this coming, and so it's going to be really excited. I'm really, I'm really pleased with it. Mm-hmm. What I have planned. <laughs> so yeah, it'll be fun. <laughs> but see, that's the beauty of of writing. Um, that that really draws me in as a writer is that I uh, I like to explore relationships and characters and and how they they fall in love and 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 what that does and and how that impacts not only them but everybody around them because that I was it very does young when realistically it does. it does I was 8 or 9 years old when my mom remarried and um having this this, this man come into our house after it just being my mom and me and my sister and um and like and um not only did he come but he came with accessories in the form of my stepbrother and my stepsister who I don't talk about too much um because they don't like it they don't like to be on the internet <laughs> but but I do have a stepsister and a stepbrother and I don't bring them up much um and uh, they're both um, – the stepbrother is my age, so that was also really interesting. And the stepsister is um, three years younger than me. And so it was very interesting to go from just me, my mom, and my sister to this man, which I called him that for like a whole year. <laughs> <laughs> and his two asshole kids uh, – Mentally, I thought that, and um, sometimes I still say it. Obviously, I just said it. Um, but uh, so, and their mom was, oh God, she used to stuff in nightmares. And so, like, we grew up. Call her mommy, dear. Not answering the door. 
not answering the door because of Mommy Dearest. Like, don't answer the door because it might be such and such, and you don't want, because she was that bad. Uh, she lost total custody of her kids. That's how bad she was. And women don't lose custody of their kids in the South unless there's a very good reason. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyways, so yeah. So exploring that and um, opening up uh, and the impact on Harry and and how that's going to happen and how and it'll just be really interesting and I'm, I'm looking forward to it because um, as much as um, – Arnaud is a part of Sirius's life, and he's a part of Harry's life. He's never had the impact um, that he could have had <clears throat> because he didn't live with them. Um, their relationship's always been open, and Harry dealt with him in this one way and didn't really ever have to deal with him in the other you know, this is this is my healer. He's a member of my conclave, and sometimes he sleeps with my dad. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think about that part. <laughs> I, uh, so I lost over really that detail. That, that that happens over there. I don't pay attention to that. I turn my head. That, I didn't watch that. You don't turn to that man behind the curtain. <laughs> in my dad's bed. <laughs> I don't think about that. So it's really interesting to introduce that kind of situation where an adult child has to adjust to um, his father's relationships. And so I'm looking forward to exploring that. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, And exploring characters and and how they move and and how they develop relationships is the best part of of writing. That's why I write. Mm -hmm. When people ask me um, if, um, you know, what kind of work, where do I write? I write... um, I say I'm a romantic, and so it's about that. It's about um, relationships and characters and and how they impact each other. And we're talking about ripples. When you change something, when you give a character something, or when you alternatively, when you take something away from a character, it ripples out throughout their entire life, and it affects the other characters that are involved in their life, right? Introducing an, another brother changed the entire dynamic of John Shepard's family. Yep. I didn't notice that I had done that really until I was looking at the first draft of the second or third book of Lantean Legacy. And this is, don't freak out. This is not what you're going to end up seeing. But in the original draft of Lantean Legacy, John had one brother because Matt died as a baby with their mom. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> that, that shattering thing. And I didn't realize. was my heart. I didn't realize what kind of impact I had done to their family with the creation of Matt until I killed him off in the rough draft when he was in the womb. And I was like, oh, my God, what did I do? People will I'll get hate mail. I'll look at the worst hate mail ever. So, no, that's not what you will see in the final draft. But that was part of the rough draft in order to um, explain the deep divide between John and his family that exists in canon. No, it's not the final, Anna. 
It's not the final. I Matt will make know an appearance. That I just had to suppress tears. <laughs> and I, you know, because it, cause it would have had serious, serious impact. But also, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. <laughs> so it's in the rough draft, right. but it's not. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's just terrible. It's it's terrible. So even, sometimes even when you like, inject a. Because he's not canon, and so I was trying to make it a little more canon to explain the you know the the serious divide between John and Patrick. Not canon. <laughs> um, because I think one of the reasons why John so readily accepted his father back into his life in what might have been was because he missed his brother so desperately, and he really. As much as his father had hurt him, his his desire to connect with David and Matt was extremely strong. And when you look at ties that bind, John's relationship with Maddie is um, it's very it's it's very rich. It's, it's, it's adorable, um, right? And John is very very attached to Matt. And I thought to myself that in in a way that I had um. In my own personal canon, I kind of made Matt the glue of the Shepherd family. And so by taking him out, they all fractured. That was what I intended to do. But what I ended up doing was hurt my own feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I Yeah, there are, there are some instances where, as a writer, your story tries to take you somewhere that you very quickly yourself learn that it's not somewhere that you're actually comfortable going well, here's what happened. I was um, we were working on the the, the the draft of this novel, and the baby that died with their mother is unnamed, and um, so it's not technically Matt because it's an unnamed baby that she died in a car accident while she was pregnant. Um, and and Lady Holder is is going through this, and I wrote Lantian Legacy in the midst of writing what might have been and ties it bind. I mean, it's been on the page, it's been in the works for a very long time, and she was and yeah. she stopped and went, "Oh my God, did you kill Matt in the womb?" And it oh. really wasn't Matt; oh. it was just a unnamed baby. And then it went, and then it became a bomb because then suddenly it was Matt, and I really hurt my own feelings when I didn't intend on it. <laughs> So, yes, that that happened. And that's one reason why I haven't put out the next book of Lantian Legacy, because there was going to be this thing where I did a book two and I changed my mind. And then book three doesn't have Matt. There is no Matt. There's David. David's all up in book three. He is in it. He owns it. He gets his own McKay. It's great. He peed all over it. It was his. But the end result is, is that there's no mat. And that's just not going to fly. I mean, I just know. <laughs> well, I mean, if you've got David, you have to have Matt, too. Because Matt's going to weasel Well, you know, David, um, but David is canon and Matt is not. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yes, Julie. I'm just telling me in the chat room that um that he's canon and to hush. So there you go. He's canon. Sorry, my bad. If you don't see him see, in the why episode of Atlanta anymore, <laughs> that's just because he's practicing his super invisibility. It's true. He's there. He's really there. I promise. 
Anyway, yes. And that's the funny thing. <laughs> Sometimes you create your own personal canon when when you're writing, and you end up yes. um, kind of recycling themes in your stories because you've created this personal canon for yourself, and it gets harder to um, step, step away, away from, from it. That. You know, so you'll yeah. see these themes over and over and over again. One thing I noticed about myself is that. Um, I have managed to include um, Gryffindor's tear, the diamond, the war ward that, um, that Hermione wears in Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond. It makes an appearance in Phoenix and in the Pendragon Legacy, both times in a different way, but it's there. See, and that's, that's and, another thing that I've noticed. There, there are certain aspects of um, interpersonal character interactions that I usually put in. And most of the time it's the two main characters bickering back and forth like they're small children because, well, frankly, I I do that with pretty much anybody I care about. (laughs) So it's just something that randomly shows up or um, the the clown jokes. There's probably never going to be a a story without a clown joke. It's it's just a fact. Like, I am I know that there's a clown joke in Tsunami Bomb. There's a clown joke in Step Away from the Window. There's a clown joke in All Those the Stars May Feed. I think there's a clown joke in uh, the story that I wrote for Nikki. I know there's a clown joke in Ten Dragon Rising, and I sort of put that in there just to make myself giggle. There, there's pretty much always going to be a clown joke. One of my characters is always going to hate always, clowns. Always. But I just have this image in my head of, of Raddick wearing a clown shirt and Roddy looking at him with the most disappointed look on his face saying, what the fuck is wrong with you? he's <laughs> 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 wearing a clown shirt. It just popped in my head wholesale. Interesting question. Interesting question. Um, my um, husband loves audiobooks. I hate them. I hate audiobooks. I uh, I want no part of them, um, and um, I don't even like podcasts. To be perfectly honest, like you know those story podcasts. I mean, I have a couple yeah. out there that, that that people have done for me, and that's great, and I really appreciate it. But I don't like listening to them. I don't. I just don't like listening to them. And he says it helps him visualize the story, and he can you know, kind of like have a movie in his head. I, I thought to mm-hmm. myself, but I, but I do that when I read. Yeah. I. I listened to exactly one that I was okay with listening to, and that was the one that uh, Mom did on her website for her own story. And part of the reason that I was okay with it is because, one, it's her reading it, and the story is short. And so it's a voice I recognize reading the story that, you know, isn't very long. But it's I have tried to listen to audiobooks before, and they actually really get on my nerves because it actually makes it harder for me to to visualize things than just reading it myself. Now, here's something that that lady holder says that maybe it could be the problem that I'm having. But some people don't have a strong personal narrator, and maybe that's true. But sometimes I'll watch a movie that's based on a book and be disappointed because it didn't visualize the way I thought it should. Yeah. Um, I I can safely say that while I have read every one of the Harry Potter books and I have seen all of the Harry Potter movies, 
Um, I actually enjoy the books um, much more than I enjoyed the movies. The only movie that I have watched of the eight that exist and just not sat there the entire time and complained about things being different from the way that they were in the book was actually the first one. And that's because the first book was short and, or at least it is the shortest one in the series. And so it was the one that it appeared like they kept the closest to the book. Um, there are certain Except events. Except that, that whole part where Harry went to Hogwarts on the same day he had his birthday. They just skipped yeah, the whole that, month of, August, of of August. Yeah. Yeah. There's like there were there were a lot of things that um, Here's another part about the movies that, that I find over. irritating. Um you can gloss over the fact that she doesn't mention the other students in the book, but JK Rowling said there are like fifteen hundred kids in um Hogwarts. There are less than a hundred in the movies. Yeah, like even that there should have been at, at least some more extras, even if you just CGI'd them in. Right. Um, like, I don't need them all to be there. I don't need, you know, all of the little side plots and everything to be as in-depth as they were in the books because you you are actually seeing it in front of you. But there are certain things that um, when the author writes them that way and then the writers for the scripts on the show um, change it, it it actually detracts from the story itself Um, there were events in the Prisoner of Azkaban that happened in such a way that it was not what happened in the book and it totally changed the way that the rest of the story was and that irritated me a lot too Um, there was and I mean uh, some of it was like minor details like, um, they they never said that Sirius uh, bought the broom for Harry in the movies, which, fine, I guess it's not that big of a deal, but it, it was kind of an integral thing to me as far as the plot went because it did show that... I um, think it was a huge Sirius deal. Cared. It showed that Sirius cared and, and loved Harry and wanted to be there for him and take care of him. And, and also it explains out. Harry's broom. I mean, it, it explains his yeah. attachment to the broom after the fact and why he got so upset when it was taken away from him during his fifth year. Yeah. And that was that was just, it was very frustrating for me because um, suddenly Harry is trusting this adult that he was told killed his parents w- without any real explanation of why and uh, you can like when when they first tell him who Voldemort is and why Harry shouldn't like him or avoid him Harry takes that at face value he instantly hates Tom Riddle but when they introduce Sirius in the movies the way that they do it is to tell Harry that he's actually the one that betrayed Harry's parents and suddenly Harry trusts him, you know, with without getting that gift or without um, doing any of the, you know, detective work or whatever you want to call it for finding out about Sirius and the revelations that, oh, okay, so he wasn't actually the person that betrayed them and Harry's slow realization of who the person that actually betrayed his parents was, when you gloss over that, it, it changes the entire tone of his relationship with Sirius. And that 
really frustrated me a lot when I was watching the movies because it makes no sense for him to trust Sirius so instantaneously. I Without think that, that what happens basically is is that they depended so much on their audience having watched the movies. And just uh. and, and having read the books that they depended on their audience being familiar already with the canon so they didn't actually have to tell the whole story. Which I think is lazy. And that is a disservice to the fans it is. and the author and the story itself. But the worst part is, is when you encounter a writer you, that you know for certain has never read the books. Mm. Because, like, oh. if if Draco and Harry have their <laughs> their 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 conflict that their their first meeting right there at the staircase before they get sorted, you know they actually haven't read the book because that happened on the fucking train in the book. Yeah. But in the movie, it happens before the sorting, right there when they're waiting after the boats. But just which and, actually and, makes more sense because at this point he spent a lot more time with Ron and he's making a more educated choice to be Ron's friend over this boy he's just met. Whereas when they're on the train, he really hasn't had enough interaction with either one of them to make that kind of decision. He's just put and, off because Draco's being a snot. Yeah, he's actually. It would have like, made more sense um, for that to happen at the sorting or right before the sorting, because then Harry spent the whole afternoon on the train with Ron. Yeah. See that, and the only no, thing yeah, for in me the book, when I was reading the book. No, I know. Um, when I was when I was reading the books, the thing that I took away from it was that Harry seemed to perceive something in Draco that he recognized as something that was a character trait of Dudley, and that was his indicator. But that was the only way that I could justify the way that it happened in the books, because it did actually make more sense for him to spend all that time on the train with Ron and then just disregard Draco completely because Ron and I have suddenly made, you know, a conscious decision to continue to be friends with this person, and in doing so, I can't be friends with this person. So, But, yeah, it just... There, there are certain aspects of the story where it, it's clear that um, the author herself had some plot holes. But, I mean, that that's something that, as a writer, you fall into all the time anyway. You can't completely wrap up any one thing in its entirety. It's, I mean, well, I guess you could, but it would have to be a very short story and have, like, very limited characters. It's not everything. I mean, even in real life, nothing wraps itself up with a neat little bow. So I find that also irritating. <laughs> huh? so the thing is, is in retrospect, you look back on the decisions that Harry makes, and you think to yourself, "Oh God, why'd you do that?" Yeah. Oh God, why'd you do that? Oh, what were you Why would thinking? you be friends with that little douchebag? Worse. Why would you continue to be friends with someone who distributes the same exact qualities of the little asshole you grew up with? Yeah. And he does. Because too. Ron I mean, he is, is a carbon copy of Dudley, except he has magic. Ron yeah. is Dudley. 
He's, he's jealous and petty. He's jealous and he's petty and he's verbally abusive. And he's and he is entitled. <laughs> so he really is Dudley with a wand. So why does yeah. Harry latch on to him as a friend? You would think he would run from him so fucking hard. Because what? Like, you just spent your entire childhood with this little asshole. Do you really want a magical version of him? No. And, and seriously, also, you have one. Just castrate so him. That he goes, he, if, if, if his character is such a good person, and that's how he's portrayed, portrayed as a good person, then how could he let Ron, because that doesn't actually come to a head till October. So they start October 31st. So Ron spends two months verbally abusing Hermione before Harry rescues her from the troll. Well, Harry and Ron rescue her from the troll. Well, Harry rescues her how and could just drags Harry... Ron along. Well, yeah, but Ron, you know, did his part. We didn't think of it. So if Harry is this good person, then how could he let Ron verbally abuse this other little girl for two months? Yeah. And still like you be know what friend? that feels like. Yeah, he is good to Harry, yes. But he is Sometimes. vicious to Hermione. In the very beginning, he's he's very devoted to being the boy who lives best mate. He's all up in that. But he is dismissive and verbally abusive to Hermione from practically day one. See, and, and that Harry was the thing says that, nothing. That was something that irritated me in the series, too. Like, when, when Ron started treating Harry like Harry was crazy, when when. Harry didn't realize that he was a parcel mouth, but kept hearing the snake's voice in the walls. Like, right? If if I would not have, I would not have accepted Ron back as my friend. And I mean, I I get that you can say that you're going to act one way and you know respond another, but I, if somebody insults me and calls me crazy, nine times out of ten, I'm probably going to tell them to go fuck themselves and not converse with them ever again. <laughs> But I mean, you didn't grow up living in a cupboard. That's true. I didn't. And that has to be taken into consideration. But also, um, there's something else to consider there. It, I told somebody once that Ron was a terrible person, and she said, oh, but he was so loyal. What? No. Really? Did we read the same book? Because um, when um, when he's in the chess game and he uh, sacrifices himself for the greater good and doesn't have to go face Voldemort or Snape, which he fears equally at this point because he's eleven, and um, and that's who they think is behind the fire or or you know actually down there with him. They they think it's Snape. Um, there's that's a part loyalty, where Hermione. That's... No, it's not loyalty. It's he's selfish from the start. And what's really interesting, what's really interesting, and it is the most telling moment in the book, is when Harry's being sorted, and the hat tells him that he would find what in Slytherin. 
Oh, God, I don't remember. I don't remember exactly what the hot sauce. He would find... What, what, what is it? He says something about true friendship and um, meeting his full potential. I remember the full potential part, but I, Janet, now i got to give it. in like 30 minutes, maybe. maybe well, less. I do say it a lot. <laughs> it says, okay, the sorting hat says, difficult, very difficult, plenty of courage I see, and not a bad mind, really, because he doesn't really show that later on, does he? Um, yeah. There's talent, oh yes, and a thirst to prove yourself. Where should I put you? And Harry says, not Slytherin, not Slytherin. And the hat says, not Slytherin, are you sure? You could be great, you know. It's all here in your head. And Slytherin will help you on your way to greatness. There's no doubt. And he says, please, please, anything but Slytherin. Yeah, because that's please right after Ron told him that Slytherin was where they put the... Uh, evil wizard, the dark wizards. And that's from the movie. I wonder what was in the book. I thought there was a line about great friends in the book. Oh, perhaps in Slytherin you'll make your real friends, those cunning folk, use any means to achieve their ends. Um, That's the Sorting Hat song in the first book. (laughs) I actually have a little plot bunny. Um, Azura says, one of the days I'm going to start a work on everyone, where everyone ends up in Hufflepuff. Um, I actually... uh, have a little bunny where um, during second year, Jenny doesn't wait to the end of the year. She kidnaps Harry and drags him down into the um, chamber because the diary has convinced her that she can make Harry Potter love her in a ritual. But the ritual is actually going to give Tom Riddle a body and kill her, but she don't know that. And Harry ends up saving the day anyway and, and killing the snake. And then she tells the entire school that Harry kidnapped her. And so Gryffindor insists on her on Harry being resorted because he's not really a Gryffindor. And so the hat and Neville and Hermione and Luna, because why the fuck not, um, decide to all get resorted and they get under the hat and the hat shows the entire school what really happened in the chamber. And then he also shows him Harry's first year when he defeated when he when when he defeated Riddle the the, the second time. Or okay, the first I can time, see that depending on you know, how you view. Um, 
Yes, and I got the book out. We'll, we'll, we'll know in a second. Uh, I realized there was something about friends. You, you'll make you. true friends or something um, like that. But there was that's in the like, song. In but when, when he's actually when he's actually talking to Harry, he says, uh, "Difficult, very difficult. Plenty of courage. I see. Not a bad mind either. There's talent. Oh my goodness, yes, and a nice thirst to prove yourself. Now that's interesting. So where shall I put you?" And then Harry's thinking, not Slytherin, not Slytherin, and Hat goes, not Slytherin, eh? Are you sure? You could be great, you know. It's all here in your head, and Slytherin will help you on your way to greatness, no doubt about that, no? Well, if you're sure, better be Gryffindor. Okay. So, but that's, M- maybe that's I read the it entirety in a of it. That's the problem with reading a whole bunch of fan fiction. It's really it hard to sometimes. Yeah, well, especially forget. when you but, write uh, in it, too. Right. Um... What was I going to say? Oh, and so the hat shows the entire school what really happened and how Jenny's a psycho, and then he sorts Harry into Hufflepuff. <laughs> hey, and, Jen, and, and then People he sorts Hermione into Hufflepuff and Neville and Luna, and they all go live in Hufflepuff. <laughs> that was another thing that irritated me. Of all of the people that are loyal to Harry and are his friends, of everyone, Hermione, Neville, and Luna were the most loyal to him. Because Neville and Luna kept the coins from when they were uh, all learning the dark arts in the rumor requirement. And Hermione stayed with him in the forest when they were looking for the horcruxes. That's of, of everyone that he's met in the magical world, those three were the most loyal to him. And Suddenly, he's marrying Jenny, who's a complete and utter fucking nut job. And, uh, you know, no. Ugh. And just the whole seconds. thing. Boo. You guys have a great week. Remember, no ass to mouth. Um, and I will see you guys on Friday. Tomorrow, I have a whole bunch of appointments. So. If you play Words with Friends, it would be great if you played tomorrow because I need all the games I can get just to keep my mind off the shit I have to do tomorrow. Catch you later. There's always time for Lou. <laughs> Shut up and sit down. Seven billion humans on Earth can't all like the same drink. That's why Circle K has Polar Pop and Froster. Pick your flavors and make that one in seven billion mix just right for you. Polar Pop and Froster, just 79 cents each at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations. 500 vehicles to sell, 500 ways to save. One month only at Penny Mitsubishi during Mega Memorial Month. Now through May 31st, we will accept your credit application. A $200 down payment and a $350 a week paycheck can get you a new Mitsubishi. Don't forget, every new vehicle comes with our 10-year unlimited warranty. You can win 5000 bucks with our 5K test drive giveaway. Visit BillPennyMitsubishi.com to Qualified buyers are approved credit. Warranty valid through 10th year ownership on new vehicles only. One entry per household per month. Must be 21 with valid driver's license and insurance. See dealer for details.